Okay, welcome to March 2nd on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. I am your host, Joe DeCristoforo. Thanks for listening. And the YouTube channel is still coming along. Some of you may be asking at this point, when am I going to quit being so cheap and just hire someone from Fiverr to do it for me? But the reality is that I have to learn how to edit my own video. So I might as well learn now. I'm old enough to be in the radio business where we use reel-to-reels, card machines, cassette players, and CD players. If we were producing a commercial and we screwed up, we did not have an undo button. We had chalk, razor blade, and magnetic tape. You would cue to the precise beginning of the mistake that you're trying to fix and mark that with the chalk and do the same thing with the other side of the mistake. You use a razor blade to cut out that portion of the tape and magnetic tape to splice the two ends. It sounded pretty good if it was done correctly. Anyway, the point is is that I am old school, so I apologize this is taking me a little while. My first real video job is a Lewis and Clark story that I'm working on, and I'm hoping to have it done by the 5th because that's when it's supposed to air. But please keep in mind I'm a real estate agent first because I do have to pay my bills, of course. And this podcast is just a hobby of mine, which I can see by the compliments I get is well enjoyed by many of you, and I appreciate that. It really keeps me going. I'm still coming up with new content, and when I do get the YouTube channel going, you're going to love it, I promise. And now, let's begin the show as we customarily do with the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's everybody stand up, face the flags, and put our right hands over our hearts, and begin. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America... And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen, brothers and sisters. And now on to today's headlines. I want to wish a happy birthday to revolutionary spy Austin Rowe, the Paul Revere of Long Island. I also want to wish a happy birthday to DeWitt Clinton, who lost to James Madison in a presidential election, also the mastermind of the Erie Canal. And speaking of elections... The Compromise of 1877 gives the presidential election of 1876 to Rutherford Hayes. Plus sports news about the NBA, NFL, and MLB. Alright, let's get started then. 1749, happy birthday Austin Rowe, a.k.a. the Paul Revere of Long Island. During the American Revolution, George Washington relied on a spy ring to outsmart the British. The Culper Ring, made up of Benjamin Tallmadge, Caleb Brewster, Abraham Woodhull, Anna Strong, Robert Townsend, James Armistead Lafayette, and Bates, along with Austin Rowe, became the collective instrument that allowed General Washington to make his next move. During the Revolution, the British occupied New York City as well as Long Island. Rowe was an innkeeper and tavern owner on the north shore of Long Island. As a hotel owner, he would need to stock up on supplies for the city. 55 miles away. This was a great excuse for him to ride back and forth. Getting exact details of British troop... Getting exact details of British troop movement and their numbers. Rowe would tiptoe in and out of the proverbial lion's den over a thousand miles to get information to Setucket, which was the other center of spying operations, and on to crossing the Sound to Connecticut to the hands of General Washington. The whole story was so clever that even Bugs Bunny said, What's up, Doc? The last message Roe would send Washington's way would be right after the surrender of Lord Cornwallis at Yorktown. After that, in 1790, when President Washington toured the United States, 
he famously stopped at Rose Tavern, still on the north shore of Long Island. We don't know what they talked about, but chances are, the president was giving Roe a big attaboy for serving his country well. Although he never signed the Declaration of Independence, Austin Roe goes down in history as one of America's great founding fathers. The Paul Revere of Long Island, indeed. He would eventually move Rose Tavern to the south shore of Long Island and died November 28, 1830. Happy birthday, Austin! 1769, happy birthday, DeWitt Clinton! He ran unsuccessfully against James Madison in the 1812 election and constructed the Erie Canal. DeWitt, nephew of Vice President and founding uncle George Clinton, was a true New Yorker, which is exactly why opponents to President Jimmy, father of the Constitution and Bill of Rights, Madison, wanted DeWitt to run against him, to which DeWitt agreed. The Democratic-Republican Party had dominated the Federalist Party since John Adams' first term. The slave-owning state of Virginia owned the presidential spot and was seeking re-election. Jimmy Madison chose former Massachusetts Governor Elbridge Jerry as his VP. If you want to know about how he's responsible for the name gerrymandering, or the process by which electoral districts are drawn based on party powers, check out my July 17th ep. But rather than focusing on slavery issues in the election of 1812, President Madison had already gotten America into another war with Great Britain. Uncle George died in office while serving the VP position for Jefferson and Madison, so the Federalists, desperate for a win, chose George's nephew from New York. And ding, ding, it was on. Nephew DeWitt took the entire New England area except Vermont. But the Democratic Republicans would take the South and West again. By the time the vote was counted, Jimmy, his little majesty, Madison, won again, 128 to 89. But you can't keep a good man down. DeWitt had already served state senator, U.S. senator, and mayor of New York City, where he promoted free public education, allowing Roman Catholics to vote, and establishing welfare organizations. Bruised but far from broken from losing the presidential election, Clinton Jr. became the leader in building an easy route to trade the Midwest through Lake Erie. As a boy, DeWitt was a naturalist at heart, and he tried pushing a bill through legislation to explore that route since before he ran against President Jimmy. But his dream would have to wait until after America signed a peace treaty with Great Britain, and in April 1816, DeWitt Clinton got his funding for the survey and began construction on the canal. In 1817, Clinton was elected governor of New York, which made it real easy for him to oversee the project. Like Uncle George, DeWitt Clinton would serve until he died, but before he did, on October 25th, 1825, he showed the way for easy trade between New York and the Midwest. Happy birthday, DeWitt! 1877, a compromise gives the 1876 election to Rutherford Hayes. What an election! Former Republican Ohio Governor Rutherford Dark Horse Hayes v. Democrat New York Governor Samuel J. Tilden, 
Boss Tweed and Tammany Hall, the Red Shirts and White League, Justice David Davis and Justice Bradley, and of course, the Compromise of 1877, which ended the Reconstruction Era. Oh, the bloody shirt was waved in this election, my friends. Though Ulysses Grant had told everybody he would run for a third term, he decided instead to retire, leaving a mess of corruption behind in the White House. At the Republican National Convention, Hayes and William Wheeler were chosen over James Blaine, who was dealing with corruption charges of his own. At the Democratic National Convention, Tilden was nominated, along with another northerner, Thomas A. Hendricks. Tilden had already proven himself to be a champion in fighting corruption and was a perfect candidate for the Democratic Party who had multiple gangs hassling African Americans at voting polls. He was also in favor of pulling out federal troops from the South. He sent the message that not every Democrat was a rebel. He even stood up to New York Senator and real estate tycoon William Tweed. If you did any type of real estate transactions in New York in the mid-19th century... Most likely, Boss Tweed was involved with that transaction somehow. He fled the country after being brought up on corruption charges, but was found and returned to serve time. Rather than releasing him, it was Tilden who made sure Boss Tweed would rot in jail for the rest of his life. That alone made Tilden a national hero. One of the main hot topics of the election of 1876 was a return to normalcy, or and enter Reconstruction. But radical Republicans chanted, waving the bloody shirt, referring to revenge on the South for lives lost in the North. Democrats started wearing red shirts to mock the Republicans. And speaking of red shirts, in Louisiana and South Carolina, white supremacist groups such as the Red Shirts and White League, who were the precursors to the Ku Klux Klan, would disrupt rallies and intimidate Republican voters. It also looked like Tilden had some questionable railroad ties of his own. And what Hayes' real position on equality for African Americans was also questionable. Everyone knew this election would be close. And this is where it gets really ugly. Tilden would win the majority. But although Hayes would beat Tilden by one vote in the Electoral College, he didn't get the 185 he needed for the majority which threw this election to the Republican-led House. The electoral votes that came in from Louisiana and South Carolina, and as you can imagine, Florida, were disputed, and votes from Oregon were challenged. The voter fraud allegations were so bad that Congress assembled a special committee to figure out who the winner was. This committee, comprised of 15 congressmen and Supreme Court justices, including Justices Davis and Bradley. Bradley would be the tiebreaker, and Hayes won the vote 8-7, making Rutherford Hayes the new president of the United States, which leads us to the Compromise of 1877. At this point, inauguration was two days away for Hayes, and the Democrats were not accepting this decision. So, Hayes made a deal that would end Reconstruction, and made good on his word as president, and pulled out federal troops. As a result of this compromise, African Americans in the South would continue to be subject to harassment without any recourse. Finally, basketball news, 1951. The first NBA All-Star game. The East beat the West 111-94 to in Boston. 
1962, Walt Chamberlain scores 100 points. I realize I bring him up a lot on the show, but this is one of the reasons why. He scored a hundred in one game. Not 98, not 102, just an even hundred. That night, the Philly Warriors would beat the New York Knicks 169-147. to 1982, happy birthday, Pittsburgh Steeler Ben Roethlisberger. And finally, 2005, Jackie Robinson is posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And that's it, friends, for March 2nd on Joe's Daily U.S. History Lesson. Once again, I am your host, Joe DeCristofaro. Be sure to tune in tomorrow's episode. I'll talk about the Star-Spangled Banner, a great African-American named Garrett Morgan, as well as other invention and patent news, Alexander Graham Bell and Helen Keller, and a music director that tried to sue the Smashing Pumpkins. Until then... Be sure to check out the website at joesdailyushistorylesson.com. Leave your comments on the comment board. Let me know what you think. Take a shot at some of the multiple choice quizzes. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. My tweet handle is J-U-S-D-H-L. And thanks for being great patriotic Americans, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow.